welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, produced by the Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School. Before the holidays, we posted a request on the Brattleboro Historical Society Facebook page for the baby boomers to share their experiences of growing up in the local area. Present students from the remote team at Brattleboro Area Middle School created a list of questions, and over 40 baby boomers responded with approximately 100 pages of information. Questions about life in the local elementary schools and communities dominated the lists. We received responses from Guilford, Putney, Demerston, Vernon, St. Michael School, Oak Grove, Estyville, Canal Street, Green Street, and Academy School. The students then studied the responses and wrote essays comparing their lives to the lives of people who grew up in the area in the 1950s and 1960s. This week, we'll share memories of the schools that no longer exist. The 1950s was a decade of consolidation and growth. Southeastern Vermont was in the middle of a school-building frenzy. The post-war baby boom hit Wyndham County hard. New elementary schools were built in Guilford, Putney, and Bradboro. The new regional high school was opened in 1951 and housed over 750 students in grades 7 to 12. Estyville had one classroom and one teacher for both first and second grade. There were two rows of desks for each grade, so probably 12 to 15 students per grade. The teacher would give one grade an assignment to work on while actively teaching to the other grade. I remember while in second grade being asked by the teacher to help some of the first grade students with their work. Estyville was a branch of Green Street School, so we did not have our own principal, nurse, etc. The gym teacher came in once a week to work with us. There was a small playground in the back of the school, but we often would go across the street to the Estyville Common, which is still there, for gym and special occasions. Since it was a neighborhood school, we all went home for lunch. We did have a milk break in the morning, and I remember on Fridays it was chocolate milk in glass bottles. Even though I believe we all appreciated the unique experience of the neighborhood school, especially in our first school years, it was exciting to know that we would be going to the quote-unquote big school, Green Street, for third grade. In 1964, I started to attend Green Street School. This was a big change coming from a one-room schoolhouse to a school with a cafeteria and gym, a stage, and a library. There were three classrooms of each grade, and not everyone was from your neighborhood. So now instead of about 12 students in my grade, there were about 75, 25 students per classroom. In 1951, Guilford had eight one-room schools with 105 students. I started first grade in September 1951 and went to number two school. There were two first graders, one second grader, two third graders, three fifth graders, one sixth grader, and two eighth graders, all taught by one teacher. I was in the school for my first four years. In fifth grade, I was moved to another one-room schoolhouse called Wellman. One-room schools had no running water and were heated by a wood stove or a stove that could burn wood or coal. The bathrooms were outhouses, one for girls and one for boys. Older students, third grade and up, were assigned to get water from the spring or neighborhood home. In the winter, if it was extremely cold, it could take a few hours for the school to heat up to the point where it could be comfortable enough to remove a jacket. Each school had assigned a janitor, and many times it was an upper-class student who lived close by. Their responsibility was to get the stove lit and the wood brought in for the school to warm up for class. 
If students lived close to the school, they were expected to walk, and students that lived outside of the Durst district were transported in a nine-passenger station wagon. When Central School was opened, one of the bus drivers purchased a couple of regular school buses to transport students to the new school. Only a few students closest to the new school had to walk. In 1957, the town built Guilford Central School, and it was the very first year that all of the Guilford grade school children went to the same school. I attended the old academy school from kindergarten through sixth grade, and I was part of the last class to finish in the old school. I think we usually had between 25 and 30 students in our class, with one teacher and no aides. Many of our families also attended the first congregational church next door, and that connection helped to cement some long-term friendships that remained in place today. My favorite teachers were Miss Cheney in first grade and Mrs. Gear in fifth grade. Mrs. Cheney was very nice, and I remember that every month she would put a monthly calendar on the blackboard, and there would always be a picture of something appropriate for the month as part of it, and it was all done in colored chalk. We never saw her do the new month, so it was always a mystery about how she did it and a surprise to see what was new. We had three reading groups, according to ability, I suppose. Bluebirds, Redbirds, and Yellowbirds. Grouped from best to the most challenged. I enjoyed being part of the Bluebirds, but always felt bad for the Yellowbirds, since grouping them like that made their challenges all the more obvious. Mrs. Gear was a widow lady who lived in a, a short distance from the school in the house with a very steep pitched roof. The house is still there, on the corner of Western Avenue and Bonneville Road. I'm not sure why she makes my favorite list. Maybe it's because fifth graders were, we were all a little more mature and she could reason with us a little more. And she treated us more, a little more like adults. There was a school lunch program and the lunchroom was in the school basement along with a small library section, the kindergarten classroom. I did not participate in the lunch program because I lived close enough to the school to go home for lunch. Every day I would head home to have lunch with my dad, who worked for himself and had a flexible enough schedule to have something ready for me when I got there. Most times I think it was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a glass of milk. The lunch break was almost an hour, so the other kids at school had finished their lunches. They would go play outside until it was time to go back to the classroom. I would always get back in time to spend some time on the playground, then back to school. We also had a school milk program, and from what I remember, every day each class would get a small crate of milk bottles, probably no more than eight ounces, either chocolate or plain. And somebody in the class would have the job of carrying the crate around the class to distribute, then to collect the bottles. During recess, we had swings, a jungle gym, and a teeter-totters, and a place to play kickball or just run around. And sometimes we held races on the sidewalk and ran from the street to the front door. Then there were also some other pieces of playground equipment that were dangerous, if misused, and they often were. Both involved going around in circles, and of course, the faster you went, the more fun it was, and the more dangerous they were. One was a merry-go-round that you could ride on and get thrown off at top speed, and the other one was similar with a center pole around the top section, and attached were four things to hang onto with six-inch long handles parallel to the ground. At the end, chains. Everything was metal. Everyone would start off running around hanging on the handles. Eventually, you would just have to grab onto the handle, lift your feet off the ground, and go for a ride. This worked pretty well as long as you could hold on, but if you let go, your handle was now swinging free and ready to catch someone in the head. These items were moved to the new school playground when it opened and remained there for several years until the safety police realized what hazards they were and removed them.
I don't remember much about a formal or organized physical education or gym classes. The upstairs front room in the building, the auditorium, with the stage on the side towards the church. We must have had some beginning dance instruction. Square dance, maybe? Because in 4th, 5th, and 6th, once a month on Friday, there would be a dance in that room. Miss McGanger called the dances. There were two people with her playing the piano and drum. I think somebody might have played violin, too. We would do waltz. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Some polkas and several square dances. And I think evening always ended with a grand march. Next week, we will share some more memories of growing up in the 1950s and 60s. We'd like to thank Sylvia, Ida, Jonas, Allie, Annika, and Maeve for reading This Week in Brattleboro History. And we'd also like to thank the baby boomers who share their stories of the schools that are no longer here. The one-room schoolhouses in Guilford, Estyville School, and the old Wooden Academy School. Please join us next week for another story from our community's past. 